Well, thank you for being here because it, a lot of obstacles out there. Yeah, oh, the California boy made it. For all those who are absent, I just want to say that. Um, brag about it later. But you're my witness, I'm here. All right, well, uh, this morning, let's uh, start with our two questions. And Lord, what do you want to say to me and how do you want me to respond? And I want to I, I be repetitive in this way. So it gets irritating to hear. Uh, because when you're irritated, then you get triggered. And when you're triggered, you remember what you're irritated about. So as long as these two questions are somewhere in your heart and your mind and spirit, I don't want them to get away from us. So remember, Lord, what do you want to say to me? And how do you want me to respond? These are questions of posturing ourselves under the lordship of Jesus. That's really important to understand. Lordship is different than me just saying, I believe in Jesus, and I believe in a higher power, and I believe it's probably Jesus, and I'm going to do good things and try and be a good person. That's not lordship. Lordship is I've given my life to him, and he has all access pass to say whatever he wants to say, and my response will hopefully be going wherever he goes. That's lordship. He's taking, I've given him lordship over my life. Those two questions are the two most important questions that this mind can think of, but I really believe it was the Lord leading us into this because what, what do you think he wants? He wants his church to be under his lordship. So if we can constantly be asking those questions individually and corporately, that's a good thing. That does not mean we'll always respond the way that we should or would want to, but at least we're starting our day with, okay, Lord, what do you want? Let that sink in for a minute. Lord, what do you want? So we want to say that uh, and and give God that invitation this morning. So would you join me in prayer and prepare your hearts to receive what he has? Lord, uh, we uh, are here and we want to be aware of your presence. So help us be aware of your presence. What do you want to say to us? And how would you have us respond? We thank you. We want to start every day with thank you, Lord. Before you've even done anything in our day, thank you, Lord. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for your presence. Thank you that you're here. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you call us by name. Thank you that you will never leave us nor forsake us. I pray against anything that we have brought in or is in our hearts right now that is not of you and that we would willfully choose to let go and hand it over to you so that you can be Lord of all our stuff. And we would offer you all of who we are this morning. So bless this time in your word as we have a conversation and and dialogue. And uh, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. How many heard Mark's message last week? Either you were here or you heard it online. Now, if I were to ask you, what did you take from it in one or two or three words, what would you say, offered up? What did you hear that 
stuck with you in a, in a positive way. Hope. His yoke is easy. We're going to talk about, talk about that a little bit more today. What else? Revelation comes out of rest. Yeah. Who heard the word pace? Anybody? Because it was said like 15 times. Pace. Now, when you hear the word pace, how many of you get anxiety of having to find ways to pace in a healthy way? Anybody? Okay. Planners, raise your hand. Planners. Okay. When you hear the word pace, uh, planners like to get stuff done, don't we? I'm saying we like I'm a planner. Don't you? <laughs> planners love it because here's it. I'm married to one. She's amazing at it, and she's learning to find good balance with it. Um, but when we were first married, I mean, it was I could see that the victory was completing that without a deviation to the plan. And it was, she was on cloud nine. Now, I, I've noticed that planners, when they complete a list and they haven't had to deviate from their plan, they celebrate by making another plan. This feels good. Let's make another one and feel good again. What happens, though, when you have to deviate from your plan and go into the unknown that is not in your plans. How do we feel? Say it all out. Grumpy? Frustrated? Depending on what is thrown your way that is a wrench in your plan, does anyone ever feel fear? When that plan is disrupted and now you are looking ahead and it is unknown, how do you feel? It's time for a nap. <laughs> Frightened. Mark, last week, laid down something so crucial and important. If someone were to say to me, or ask me, what is Mark's life about? First, without even hesitating, I would say Jesus. Without even hesitating. And how is that fleshed out? He wants to be safe. And he wants people to pace. And, and not in the sense, just so they can have a good work week, but so they don't miss his number one passion, and that's Jesus. Because what we do is we, we seek recuperation and lack the ability to stop for a moment so we can begin to see that rest and recuperation are different. They're different. How many have... have are bad sleepers. Anybody bad sleepers? Okay. Who's used the phrase, I need to catch up on some sleep? And do you ever feel completely rested? I don't sleep well. I've never felt completely rested in my life because I'm always trying to catch up from what I lost. I'm trying to recuperate. Rest really can only come from God because he is the only one that can restore us completely. So we have to move from a place of rest, not recuperation, or else we're always trying to catch up. But it's just going to keep, keep getting bigger and bigger. It's going to keep 
piling on, right? If you miss your target by this much and you keep going, you're going to miss it by this much. The further you go, no matter how close you started, you're going to get further away. Okay? Rest can only be found in being yoked to Jesus. It's the only way. True rest. True rest. Where your mind isn't going, you're not worrying about things, you're not thinking about what you're going to do or what you've done. You are at peace. And when I say peace, I mean the Greek version of peace, where it means to bring what is broken and make it whole. Not absence of conflict, but this sense of healing in the midst of brokenness. That kind of peace. Isn't that cool? That can only come from being yoked with Jesus. And Mark laid that out very clearly. Very clearly. And we're going to revisit that today because here's the deal. Now, that was specifically talking about how do we pace, how do we yoke to Jesus that we can experience rest and look at all the things that we may have to do in a way that, okay, I'm with you, Jesus. I'm with you, Jesus. I'm with you, Jesus. I'm with you, Jesus. In the sense of how we tackle our day. Now, what happens when God calls you into a place of unknown and you don't have a plan and you don't know where you're going to end up You don't know how it's going to turn out. You don't have a clue how it's going to turn out. Even when you make your plans, you are anticipating a direct route to give a conclusion that will hopefully make you go, yay. It's why we make the plans, because we want a good conclusion to whatever we're doing. But when you're walking in faith with Jesus, you are not going to have that plan laid out in a way you can go, wow, I'm confident in this. If you're to give up, let's just say in our context, a pastor who is meticulous at planning, on Monday, boom, in the scriptures, has to study every single word in its original language, then has to map it out, then has to write it out, and then has to um, read it verbatim, but they put in the prayer time, they believe is what the Lord's to say. If you were to come up to them, and they're just sitting here, and you were to say to them, I want you to preach a sermon right now, and they didn't have any of that time, they're going to lose they're going to lose it. That's terrifying, correct? Because they don't know what's going to happen. They don't feel prepared. Here's the deal. We want to look at this passage in Matthew 11 that Mark brought up about being yoked, and we want to flesh some things out that will make us a little bit, now let me change that, completely more confident in a scenario like that in our own lives where we won't feel prepared, we won't have time to prepare the way we want to prepare, and we won't know what is going to happen. And I want you to receive this and listen. I'm going to read it twice. Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30. This is out of the NIV. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let me read that again. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest 
for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's debunk something. Anybody watch Mythbusters? Ever seen that show, Mythbusters, where they take a, a myth or something out there and they try to prove it or disprove it? Okay, we're going to do that right here, right now. When you hear, come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, and you will find rest because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the picture it gives us. When you're tired, where do you go? To Jesus. When you're burdened, where do you go? To Jesus. No. Yes and no. He is not a gas station. Okay? He's not one where we go, we fill up, and then he's like, okay, good. I've taught you a few things. Now go and come see me again someday. That's not this passage. Yes, we go to him for those things. Yes, but we are to remain in that. Now remember, if we look at just this passage, it could say, well, he's a pit stop to doing something. Well, I got to go to the Sudan and minister for Jesus, so I'll stop at the Jesus gas station on the way, and I'll go do that. And when I'm tired and burnt out and lonely and isolated and all those things, I will come back, learn a few more things, and then go out again without them. That is not what he's saying. And believe me, people take it this way. I've had conversations where people approach it this way. So it is not unfair to assume that some of us have seen it this way. But let's look in the complete context of Scripture. Remember, John 15 says, Remain in me, and I will remain in you. I am not a pit stop. I am a 24-7 stay here with me. 24-7. The invitation will always be there for you to be with him. It will always be there. That will not go away. But the language here is clear. It is your choice. It is your choice. Come to me and take my yoke. Take it. Mark last week referenced Colossians 3.15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the peace, meaning you have the option to let it rule in your heart or not. And Mark said something that troubles some people. Jesus is the easiest way. What? I sat, I sat there and I went, what? That hit my buzzword triggers. Anyone else feel that way? But he's right. He's absolutely right. I would rather land there with Jesus knowing that I am with him than the alternative. Because let me tell you, having, having fear as a place where I yoke myself is not easy. Is it easy? It seems convenient because it's right there. I can see it right away and boom, I'm there. But the outcome causes patterns of hardship that take years to get out of. Jesus is the easiest way because he makes it simple. Remain in me and I will remain in you. Stay yoked to me. It's your choice. Let the peace, let the peace of God rule in your heart. Let it happen. Come to me. You have the choice. Get over here. Not just because I look like a convenient pit stop to get what you want because I want to be with you. Always. 
Uh, when I was first starting to become independent and start, you know, you make your paycheck, you pay for your own meals, mommy and daddy aren't there to, you know, I got this, don't worry, you're still trying to learn stuff. Uh, I went to lunch with my dad. And we were sitting there, and I always have anxiety because I'm like, who's going to get the check? You see, whenever you do, when you're going out to lunch with someone, who's going to get I'm going to get it because I don't want to have the struggle of receiving something. Anyone there? And so you play this game where you go, you know what will make me feel better? Is if I say no, and then the way our culture is, they're going to ask again, and then depending on how close I am to them, I'll say maybe no one more time, and then say yes, the third invitation. And if I don't know them, we'll go back and forth for a few minutes, and I'll go, oh, fine. Then I feel better about myself. Who's been through that conversation? No, I'll get it. No, no, let me get it. Uh, No, I can't. Please, please accept it. Okay. I can do that. Who's done that? (laughs) So I'm prepared to have this song and dance with my dad. And he goes, I got it. I said, no, dad. Okay. Oh, let's. Dad, you don't get this. You don't get how this goes. I want to feel better about receiving this. You're not understanding how. Come on now. No, I gave you an opportunity to receive it. You said no, and I'm honoring your decision. <laughs> That's sound logic. <laughs> You're, it's good parenting, right? You're honoring my decision. Jesus says, take my yoke. Take it. He doesn't want to play the song and dance game with you because it is a serious offer. The offer will always be there. It will be there for you. But he wants you to take it. No strings attached. Take it. Because it is the best thing for you. I have this for you. It's the best thing. The absolute best thing. Take it. It's your decision. Do you want it? Do you want to be where he is? Yes, I do. I hope you do too. Hebrews 11 says, Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand so the universe... So understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. So what you see here was not made with created tools. It came out of the very being and center of the character of God, which is uncreated. Which means this. We have an uncreated God moving in the way he would move, leading us into places. Those places are not going to be known to us as we would like them to, according to our plans. And we have to make sure we are yoked with him so that fear doesn't become something we yoke ourselves to. Because now I can walk in with confidence. I know who he is. I know that he loves me. I know that he doesn't just wait for me. He runs to me. Remember, the the prodigal son didn't show the father just waiting for his son to return. When his son was... Seen walking towards him, the dad, what? Ran to him. 
God is trustworthy. Jesus is trustworthy. We have everything we need for life in Jesus. Everything. And you know what's disturbing? Churches will disagree. Christians will disagree. One of the things that made my grandfather, who's a, who's a, uh, who was a pastor, a great pastor, one of my heroes, was this simple thing. He got a letter from a church member who's been a Christian for a long time and said, you talk about Jesus too much. And, here's, and I thought that was the hero part for me <laughs> that sealed the deal. This is what he said in return. He wrote back. Thank you. That is the greatest compliment I've ever received. Only with Jesus, only with him, only being right where he is, will we hit the mark. Only being with him will we be able to see what we haven't seen before through the power of the Holy Spirit. You will not be able to see maybe with your physical eyes, but you'll be able to see things you haven't seen before because you're learning stuff from him. See, he says, come to me, yoke yourselves to me, and what? Learn from me. Learn from me. Remember, it's not the gas station thing. Just get a few little, you know, here's a few little life lessons here that will help you just for $4.95, and you can find the way to not feel like garbage all the time. No! Uh-uh. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Zilch. Nada. And knowing that, is really simple. And I can go into the unknown. I'll feel the presence of fear, but I don't have to yoke myself to fear. Am I aware it's there? Oh, you betcha. Did I just say you betcha? I'm a Minnesotan. That was completely unintentional. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, my goodness. I don't know if I'll recover from that. What was I even saying? Let's just pray. (laughs) I don't have to yoke myself to it anymore. I'm aware of it, but it's not Lord of my life. So I make some plans. They don't work out. Okay. I want to share this story with you. Uh, We all have different areas in our lives where the unknown meets us in different ways, and it challenges us. And mine, normally, growing up, began and ended with a girl, probably. Um, This story is always hard for me to share. I don't know why. I don't know why. It just is, and it's my stuff I carry, and it's junky, and the Lord is moving me through it. But I want to give you an example, a tangible example of what happens when we say no to the unknown because of fear when we know God is leading us or when we feel his presence. When I was in college, just to set this up, I had an Old Testament professor who I loved. He was great. Baptist preacher. Inner city of Philadelphia. Loved it. And I was asking him questions, and he was intrigued by the questions I was asking. And so he invited me to his church. I go to his church. And this is church, okay? I mean, this is Four hours. Can you imagine being in church for four hours, sitting here? Four hours, at least. And it was a short Sunday. 
And they called me up to pray and just, just pray. Just throw out stuff. And they're going to throw out all of their requests at you. Room full of people. And it was terrifying. And I had a blast. Mike, these are my people. These kind of people who just want to go with the flow. I'm like, this is amazing. My professor says, we want to hire you on staff as a pastor. I'm 18. And I almost vomit on the floor. So I go through going, this is a great invitation. And then I'm going, "Ah." and I start to disqualify myself. Who's done that? Well, I can't do this. I can't. So I came up with a real spiritual answer. Dr. Thomas, thank you for the offer. I'm just not seasoned enough yet. When I get seasoned, maybe we can talk. But until then, who wants to eat a steak that's not seasoned? It was ridiculous. That's how it felt. And I, vi- I revisit that memory every once in a while. Because I thought, what if I had said yes? I was so petrified of failure and not knowing what would happen. I said no. So, fast forward. And this is the part I don't like to tell. I was with a gal, a gal, um, that I grew up with. We were going to get married. Cloud nine. I'm on cloud nine. The Lord revealed to me early on in my life that this person would be, how I would say in my hopeless romantic days, my one and only. And uh, she broke up with me my senior year in college, going to my senior year, and I was devastated. Now, it may not seem like a big deal, all oh, young love. No, no, no. I, I sacrificed to be with this person. That's another story. To follow what the Lord was telling me. And now it's not going to happen? It shook me at the very foundations of my life with Jesus. Do I hear him? Have I been obedient? How many other times have I not heard him? If this isn't right, no, 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 no. And you can just keep going. I had a terrible senior year. I mean, it was terrible. And then all my friends are in the East Coast. I'm in Philadelphia at the time. I, my family resides in San Diego. I fly back after graduation. I have no friends there. I have no one to process what I have just been through with outside of my parents, whom I love. But, you know, this is, no. And somewhat, somewhat I would process. But there were other things. And I kind of just hit rock bottom. So I'm not a computer person. And don't be alarmed when I say the word computer. Some people kind of, what is he going to share? I was sitting on the computer one day, and I I know how to turn one on, so that's good. And I remember this this website from when I was in college, and and it was you put your picture on there, and you can people tell you how good looking they think you are. I needed, I needed saw a pick-me-up. <laughs> and so I put my picture on there, and I'm just looking at people, and I'm just like, I mean, just, just out of my mind. And my brother walks in, and I am petrified. Now, I felt like I was really sinning. I wasn't doing anything bad. I mean, just, I just felt just so far out of my scope. My brother goes, what are you doing? And he has a way of saying things where you feel so judged and just like, boom, you're in judgment jail. And he looks at me and goes, what, what are you doing? And I look at him, and I had no reply except for this, oh, I'm so sorry, man, I just hit rock bottom. I don't know what to do. I, and he's laughing. And sure enough, at that time, there was a picture behind me. 
that I had was left on. It was with this gal sitting on a fence post with, with some students. It was a teacher. And my brother goes, well, do you think she's pretty? <laughs> yeah, she's gorgeous. Look, I say I want to marry someone like that who loves people and Joe, you know. And I'm a, I'm a wreck, a, a wreck. And he says, well, it says she's a Christian. And apparently this uh, person was a Christian. So I asked about her story. I said, tell me about your story. How'd you become a Christian? And we talked on and off. and No strings attached. I just needed a place to process. You ever have that? I'm not thinking dating. I'm not thinking anything like that. And this person happens to be living here, by the way. Minnesota at the time, and I'm over there, and then she ends up dating someone, I'm like, okay, you know, go our separate ways, and, but I felt this hole inside of me, but I kept feeling the Lord tell me to hang on, and I had no idea what was going to happen, and I was petrified. No, I'm not going to chain my heart to any more of your stuff. I was mad, and it's still, right now, it's, it's, it's here for me. I was mad. You told me to go this way before, and look what happened. You want me to go this way, and this is even riskier? You're out of your uncreated mind. I am not doing this. And then this gal broke up with her boyfriend, calls me, and we start talking again. I'm like, this isn't funny. You're setting me up again. I'm mad. I'm still mad because I'm so petrified of the unknown. How is this going to end up? And I come out here to visit her. And now I'm going, I come back home, and I'm like, this isn't funny. This is good. You're going to pull the rug out from me again. But I've kept feeling like I had to say yes. I had to say yes. I had to say yes. And now I'm married to her for about 10 years now, and I have two beautiful children. And I met her in the weirdest way. And her name's Shanna, most of you. When I go back and I think if I had said no, it was hard being yoked to Jesus in the most unconventional ways. It doesn't need to make sense to you. If you trust him, it doesn't need to make sense to you. I can't think of anything where God intervened in my life where it made sense to me. If you really look at your timeline, you will not really be able to go, yeah, that was actually made sense. No, it didn't. (laughs) It doesn't have to make sense. Are we going to trust him and go with him or are we not? The choice is ours. But this is an invitation series and we're in the Christmas season and people want to see the people of God being able to stay yoked with them, whether they know it or not, or would articulate it that way, they want to see people whose dependency is on Jesus. I want everyone in this person to be flooded by people saying, you talk about Jesus too much. Thank you. That is the greatest compliment I've ever received. And more importantly, they'll be like, and you live like him. It freaks me out. We are in a world of unknowns. How do we navigate them? We don't. We let him navigate them and we hitch a ride. I'm with this guy. I'm with him. I had a friend in high school who I met on a missions trip. He was a stud wrestler in Arizona. 6'6", 220 pounds, like zero body fat, with his eyes so close together, he almost looked like he had one. And he would go, hey. 
Ugh, like the Tasmanian devil. Now, now, now. And I felt so safe when I was with him. So safe. I'm with this guy. I didn't care where we went. We could have got in a lion's stand and go, I'm with him, Simba. Bring it on. You can mafasa me all you want, but I'm telling you, I'm with the one-eyed giant. I would even poke the bear. I'm with him. That infinitely more is what we have when we yoke ourselves to Jesus. Infinitely more. We can walk into any hostile environment and know that we are secure in Christ Jesus. I don't have to navigate any of that. I just have to go, Lord, what do you want to say to me? I'm with you. Let's do it. That's it. It's all you have to do. Lord, what do you want to say to me today? I don't, unless he leads you with other questions, which he will, I don't want you to go beyond that because that's enough. Lord, what do you want to say to me and how do you want me to respond? Can you think of anything more to start with? You can maybe articulate it differently, but the same concept. Lordship over my life means I have to be yoked. And it's not a gas station. It's not a just when you feel like it. It's in every moment, even when you don't feel like it, when you feel so ashamed to be in his presence makes it feel worse because your, per- your perception is projected onto him. But then he takes us to go, remember, when you yoke to me, things are different. And you're going to learn from me. And your shame does not scare me off. If anything It makes me enter in even more so, so that you can be healed from it. He's not afraid of your stuff, so don't hold it from him. And when you see how he handles your stuff, you'll have more confidence in him to go into the unknown, not be afraid of it, and you can surrender your plans. Are there, you know, everyday plans you have to make? Yeah. But remember, God will put people in your way. He will, if he hasn't already. And it will be unknown and it will conflict with what you want in the moment. But you just said, wait a minute, Lord, I'm yours, I'm yours, I'm yours, then be his. And do we handle it perfectly? No. But remember, the invitation is always there. You know, we're going to hear all around the world Christmas messages, and they're great. I love talking about baby Jesus. I love the Christmas story. But remember, the Christmas story is all about what we're talking about. Today is a Christmas message. Next Sunday will be a Christmas message. You know why? Because it will be about yoking to Jesus. It'll be about being with him. It'll be about being where he is. It'll be about abiding in him. So it's always going to be a Christmas message. It will always be appropriate for whatever season we're in because he always wants to be with us. It's not seasonal. It's every single day. There is, man, this, these passages work together. Everything works together. People say, well, this is the most important passage. They all work together because it all brings us back to the garden, fully restored, walking with Jesus. Done. Lord, we thank you. And we thank you, and we thank you, and we thank you. If life ended today, in this moment, 
thank you for who you are. Thank you. Even when things don't go our way, we thank you. Thank you when it does. Thank you, Lord, for who you are, even in our hardships, even in our struggles and our sufferings. We thank you for you are good, even in the midst of all of that, all of it. We ask in Jesus' name that you would be our everything in every moment. And that you will soon be everything to everyone. That's what you want. And we love you. And because we love you, we love who you love. And we want what you want. And you want all people to come to you. To take on your easy yoke. And your light burden. And remain in you. Not only visit you, but remain in you, live in you, live with you. We want to do that. We want to do that individually. We want to do that corporately. And sometimes it's hard to hear you. Sometimes we don't know what you're saying. But we thank you that you give us the church, the body of Christ to walk with, that will all be given different things from you that will work together for your good, for your glory, for your kingdom purposes. I hope and pray that people see this church family, even though there's no such thing as this, that talk about you too much. We can't talk enough about you. And we want to live with you in a way that people, when they step into our sphere, they're stepping into the kingdom of God, that we would be outposts of the kingdom of heaven because we are yoked to you wherever we are. And I pray against the temptation to disqualify ourselves because we are filtering what you're doing through our own capacity of preparation. I, I just pray that you would give us the clarity to see that our responsibility is to let you love us and to stay in that love. I thank you that we don't have to be afraid of our finances. I thank you that we don't have to be afraid of where we'll be or if we'll make it, if what's going to happen. You are Lord. And so we ask as we take these tithes and offerings, you will use whatever we give for your kingdom glory, that you will take five loaves and two fish and multiply them in ways we cannot possibly comprehend and that we would be faithful to go where you go, to give what you call us to give, to invest time in who you've called us to invest time in. Whatever it may be, we are yours. And where we're holding back in areas of our lives from your lordship, would you continue to gently ease us into those places of surrender? We thank you you're not a tyrant, but you're gentle and humble in heart. And that as we yoke ourselves to you, we will learn from you. And we'll learn about that gentleness and that humility that grace and that mercy and your goodness. So we thank you. As we enter this time of worship, I pray that we would continue to yoke ourselves to you and say, Lord, have your way. In Jesus' name, amen.
He's the prayer. 